Hello, and welcome to another edition of the 16-Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. As you may know, or not, if you're new, welcome. My name is AJ Kierens, and I'm your host here each and every week as we do our best to introduce you to the designers, artists, and illustrators from around the world who help bring our favorite beers and breweries to life. You are listening to episode number 43, Cuarenta y Trace. This week's episode features Benjamin Neidhart. He is owner, head brewer, and designer at OEC Brewing right here in Connecticut. This is a unique episode this week because I'll, I'll admit I was a little in over my head with the beer knowledge because of the fact that Ben wears so many hats and is so well-versed and OEC is doing something really, truly unique in the space and in kind of the country, you know, with their focus on sours and really historical recipes and the traditions that they're you know, carrying on. I you know, probably asked a few questions that either you know, the OEC diehards or just some folks who are a little more well-versed in beer may cringe at so you have been warned it's nothing personal i do you know i'm self-aware which is interesting and uh, important to be it's not always easy but i did ask questions that i knew that folks probably already knew the answer to and you know we thought it was really a good opportunity ben and i tried on several occasions to meet in person which i thought would have been really a, a great experience and you know visually we would probably try to record some of that but we got snowed out on a couple occasions and decided that it was just best to, you know, do it over the phone. We actually did it during the most recent blizzard. So we, you know, touch on that. And it was just really uh, enjoy talking to talking to Ben and learning more about one of the, you know, premier breweries I feel on the East Coast. You know, OEC is doing some really unique stuff and it's really great how close they are, you know, to me personally. So if you haven't been there before, make sure to check them out. OEC Brewing. Com. You can find them on Instagram. That's where you'll find Ben. He kind of is OEC. You know, they have a great team and family there, but that's definitely, you know, part of it and really a good place to, to go and have some beers and just kind of, you know, take it all in. Great staff and, you know, a lot of fun. So with that, if you're looking to learn more about what we're doing here, uh, you can go to our website, 16ozcanvas.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. So we try to be where you are. We try to keep connected, doing our best to engage, and we're really having a great time doing it. So it's really exciting. This is our first episode of 2018. The project launched on early April 2017 in conjunction with National Beer Day. And just yesterday, we announced our fifth 12 pack of artists. So our fifth season of artists. It's really exciting. We'll give you a quick rundown of that. You can go to the website or the Instagram and see kind of the, the press release there. Made a little video, which I, I'm really uh, proud of myself, you know, getting better with the, the video and production work here. And uh, yeah, so on the fifth 12-pack of artists coming up here on the 16-ounce canvas, we have Jordan Gullett from Solemn Oath Brewery. We have Nikki Jarecki from Off Color Brewing. Leslie Herman from Fat Orange Cat. We have Josh Emrich, who works with Bottle Logic Brewing, uh, Diana Fried, and Joe Marinick, uh, who make up small stuff. They do work with Other Half Brewing. We have Joe Kappa, who works with American Solera, Adam Foreman, Jolly Pumpkin Artisanal Ales. We have Kendra Kaliga, who works with Three Stars Brewing Company, Daniel Birch with Barrier Brewing Company. Tim Gibson from Garage Project, and to single Tim out, he is our first artist that we will be speaking with from the Southern Hemisphere. He'll be checking in with us by way of New Zealand. So really excited for that one. Joey Potts from 18th Street Brewery, and Phineas Jones with Half Acre Beer Company. All the information is on our website, on our Instagram, and on our Facebook. You can go there. Find out more information about these artists. You can follow them along on their social accounts, see what they're up to, get a little bit of a preview of what to expect. 
and really uh, you know enjoy it. So we're having a great time. We could not thank everybody enough for their engagement, their support. You know, this next season will take us up through our first year. So we're really excited. Uh, today, I actually went and saw a venue. And I'm looking at, uh, you know, trying to do something a little unique and different. And we will uh, we'll tease that until we have it locked down. But stay tuned for that. We are working on some merch. And we'll keep things moving right along. But you are listening to the 16-Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast, episode number 43. Cuarenta y Trace, Ben Neidhart. Not to be confused with Neidhart from the WWF. When you do search for Ben, you do find some uh, old school, uh, the Anvil himself there with the uh, crazy goatee, little Brett the Hitman action. But don't confuse the two. You are listening to the 16-Ounce Canvas, episode number 43. Let's get right into it. Without further ado, owner, brewer, designer, man of many hats and talents, Ben Neidhart, OEC Brewing, right here on the 16-Ounce Canvas. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the 16-Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. Really excited to have with us today. Ben Neidhart, he is the kind of the, the trifecta over at OEC, owner, head brewer, and he also designs the label. So thanks so much, Ben, for, for taking the time to, to join us today. No problem. Ben and I have been trying to connect in 3D since I'm fairly close to uh, OEC down the road um, in Shelton, but um, we are in the midst of a kind of a mini blizzard or a... Um, I don't know if you listen to the Weather Channel, they have all sorts of cool acronyms or ways to describe the the the, the bombing or some weird blizzard apocalypse or something. But we're both freezing our asses off in different parts of the state. So thanks again, Ben, for making the time. No problem. I wouldn't consider it a mini blizzard. It seems like a real blizzard. Yeah, I, I don't even. I mean, I'm from yeah, New England. You kind of take these for granted. We, we we don't get there's you don't either get like one inch and like a dusting or you get your ass handed to you. It's like there's no middle ground around here. Yeah. <laughs> especially no. yeah, especially you guys, right? Recently, you've, you've had to change a couple of your releases because of the weather, so it's definitely been uh, been keeping you guys on your toes. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been a bit messy. Usually, we don't get too much in December, but this year this year it's been not only just cold but ice and some snow and yeah. It gives you all kinds of scheduling conflicts. Yeah, and and for the folks at home, if you've not gone to an OEC release, especially when it's a Saturday morning, it is like a it is like an epic kind of day. You know, folks are there at like four or five o'clock in the morning, and the re- releases are much later in the day. And so, there's definitely an avid fan base, which is really nice to see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's right. So it's like you you know you know with the bad weather, you kind of it kind of re- kind of reminds me back when I was in school. And you'd always laugh about the superintendent of schools because you always felt like they got it wrong. Like the, you know, the, the the day before they they'd be like, "Oh, school's canceled," and then you'd go, you know, you'd wake up the next morning. There's no snow, and you're like, "What is? What was he thinking?" Like, or like they're like, "Oh no, we're gonna have school tomorrow," and you show up and it's just, you're just getting bombed like with like six inches, six to twelve inches. Well, and that's like on the other hand, like like we have a release schedule, and it's like, "Oh no, you know we." what is going to happen tomorrow? We have no idea. Like the beginning of that week on Monday, they called for like 20, you know, eight inches. It was going to snow for like 12 hours straight. And by like Thursday, they're like, ah, we might get three to five. And then you have no idea what you're doing. So you're like, well, maybe let's close. <laughs> no matter what the weather is going to make you look silly. Yeah. And people are hard. People, I mean, I, I love beer and you know like I said OEC is so close and you know it's one it's a world class brewery and to be able to, the amount of beers you can get there on a given day is pretty epic, but man you're like some of the fans are, are pretty hardcore it was pretty it was like it was rabid like you ruined my Saturday I was like damn fucking relax man like they're gonna keep I, I putting know, out beers for years to come like just relax I know I know. I, I mean, you know, I, I do know it's hard because some of these people, you know, they, they come from like a few hours away, you know, so they have like two, three hour drives. And so like they, they plan ahead for, for that weekend to have fun. Like we've, we've a good atmosphere before people share bottles and people hang out, they kind of tailgate. So, you know, it's kind of more of an event style thing and people have a lot of fun at it. So they plan for it. And like, I, I feel, I, I feel bad moving it, but like when the weather's just not going to cooperate, like you know, it's just not safe. Like you just got to move it. It's a nightmare to deal with. 
Right, and your locations, like you know, it's the intimacy of it is because it's not. It's a, it, you know, if it's icy, that's that area, you know, of town is not. Yeah, you know, it's definitely can be a little dangerous, folks, on those you know small back roads getting there. So yeah. Yeah, we have a couple serious hills that you have to make it up and down to get to to us. Like, I mean, we're only like ten minutes off eighty four, but in those ten minutes of driving, yeah, it's a commitment. You, you have some rough stuff. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm spoiled, but yeah, I just think that uh, that was that was like, oh, come on, guys, like just let it go, like relax. So, but yeah, folks are folks are passionate. But as you and I were talking before, uh, you know, if you listened to the podcast before, I've you know I have my two boys, but uh, you know, you were saying you have an 18 month old. So I mean, once you have little kids, I think that like I just kind of I'm, I'm an hour by hour kind of guy now. I used to be plan, you know, plan things well in advance, and now I just kind of take it hour by hour and just kind of see. So. I don't get to any beer releases that I used to, but you know, like I said, there's always an abundance, you know, over there, which is, you know, tip of the cap to you guys. Much appreciated. Yeah, no problem. So yeah, well, with little kids, you definitely have to change your schedule. Like, I mean, oh yeah, I mean, you, you know, like you plan for you plan for two days ahead, and they're sick. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what I was just thinking. Like, you go to bed and you're talking to the men, you and you you go to give them a kiss, and you're like, your head is bo- like you're really hot right now, and you're like. Yeah. Oh. You go downstairs and it's like, okay, what do I have tomorrow? You know, who can watch them? What do we do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so this is not, yeah, this is not a parenting <laughs> podcast. So we probably lost half the audience already at this point. But um, yeah, Oops. little little <laughs> little fun facts for you for those uh, those who are in the midst of uh, procreation. So it'll be all good. So Ben, we just want to take a kind of a you know step back. Like I said before, you're kind of a you know, you're a rare. Um, breed i guess for us you know we, we've uh we, we talked to daniel and nakata forest in maine he's probably the only owner brewer artist that we've spoken to so kind of you know just take us a step back is kind of you know the the ben story you know you you know kind of just how you got into you know the beer and you know oec and you know we'll kind of just see where we go i mean i i've been i've actually been in the beer industry for about a decade now so i i guess i'm I'm a wily veteran at this point, <laughs> uh, but I started uh, I started in the beer industry on the importing side. Um, uh, my fam- my dad owns a uh, Be United International, and he he imports a bunch of different beers and ciders and sakis from all over the world. And so out of, out of college, I went to a big advertising in this, uh, company in New York City. Uh, I thought I'd, I'd enjoy doing that, but I actually ended up really disliking it. So I left that and then I, I was going to go back to grad school, but I ended up just doing some programming work for my, for uh, United. And then I slowly kind of never left. <laughs> and uh, I, st- I started really on, on doing the website design work and that kind of stuff, uh, some programming. I wrote like the back end software for like what the warehouses and all the uh, salespeople use. Uh, and then from there, we we went and we wanted to redo how we do draft beer in the U.S. And we, we designed these temperature control tank containers that are like four maturation tanks that are glued together. They kind of look like those big uh, tankers that fill up the gas stations, but they're actually four bright beer tanks that are glued together, insulated with its own cool, cooling unit. It's about 30 barrels per uh Per tank, so 120 barrels of beer total for different beers you can fill, or you can fill it with, you know, with the same beer, all four compartments. And so we changed the model that all the empty kegs that we own just stayed in the U.S. for circulation. And then these tankers, they actually get lifted up on the boats, and then they get lifted up on the trucks, and they go to the various breweries around the world, and they collect the beer. So then we got the beer back, and we had then we started. Uh, developing our own packaging in terms of kegging and bottling. And so I actually really started to get into beer production from the opposite direction. I, I went in from quality control on the packaging side. Uh, and then after that, um, since we had some of the liquids already from the international breweries, we started to do some collaboration bro- projects uh, in terms of barrel aging and so forth called uh, the Zimatory Project. Uh, a few people may, may have gotten them and I may have tasted them. It was a smaller project that we started, I believe, in about 2011. And it was just uh, one-off barrel-aged batches of some of the products that the United International imports. And so I, I started working on, on the barrel aging, barrel blending, and dealing more and more with sour beer and so forth. And then over time, I 
I, I just really came to love sour beer, and that's really just what we produce at OEC now. And we opened up OEC in the middle of 2014, but we it was a couple years in planning already, and we started producing beer well ahead of time, so we have some aged beer already before we opened. Yeah. Yeah, and so for, and then uh, we tried it beforehand. Uh, you know, ben tried to help me with the the proper Latin, but we're gonna give it a shot. The Ordinem Eccentrici Cactores. Yeah, it's Latin, so I kind of made it sound Spanish there at the end there. But yeah, but if you go to their yeah, I don't think my pronunciation is, is proper either. <laughs> All right, so good. Don't All right, worry yeah. about oh, it. Oh, good. See, that, that's <laughs> just a, call it OEC. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, right. That's the thing I've learned too. It's like it does if you say it with confidence. And then you don't have like that question mark at the end. It's like, okay, that's how it is. Like that's that's what that was. The, yeah. If I was just like cool about it, it would have been yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah the the order of eccentric uh, eccentric boilers, and it was, you know, I, I like the story, and it's right there, oecbrewing.com. If you haven't been to their website, you know, you know please check it out. But uh, but yeah, I think that's uh, yeah, OEC is much easier. But there's so many acronyms sometimes, so I, I give, give it a shot. Yeah. <laughs> Now, yeah, the the thing I like is, you know, and I think I'm pretty late on the sour game. I'm probably only a couple of years on sour beers. And so I really, like I said, you know, the, the thing I have with sours is they're sometimes they're just harder to get, right? And especially quality ones. And so I think the fact that, you know, on any given day, you, you'll have, what, you know, six to eight different ones on tap plus guest taps and, you know, bottles available. So I think you've really done a great service to allow folks to explore, especially if you get your, your, your big old flight there, you know, of different beers. And I think, I think in you know, looking at your photos, I think we've met a few times. So I thank you for your, your lovely service. So it brings it full circle. But um, yeah, I think that's one of the things I really like is, is the fact that there's these styles that, you know, aren't, aren't uh, readily available, you know, but it's like right here in the state, you know, down the road. And so it's, it's been really exciting to, to kind of be adventurous. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you, I mean, one of the things we we decided early on, and it, I think to truly make great sour beer, you, it's really something you, you should specialize in and really dedicate your brewery to. And that's that's kind of the route we went. We didn't want it to just be, you know, part of what we do. It, it's my favorite thing. It's what I love. It's what I drink regularly. And that's that's what I wanted to go for with the brewery. Yeah, and I think that as I've you know kind of come to learn more about, it, especially with the you know the Be United, you know some of the the barrels and the different you know aging processes you're doing, I think it's really nice to kind of tie that whole you know the family business together, and it really you know you, you know these you have these limited batches, you know they're only a certain number of bottles, and you know the explanations are really kind of detailed and kind of give give some more you know kind of behind the the curtain on, on the process, and so it's really yeah it's really interesting, and then even the different blends, you know, it's now it's, you know, it's, you're always trying to make sure it may be the same kind of conceptual beer, but it's never the same beer twice, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And actually talking about the uh, Tempest is actually the, the biggest example of that because there's actually a difference between the, what we, how we blend the odd numbers and the even numbers in terms of what we look for in the blend. And so the simplest way to describe it is, is that the odd numbers are, are, bit more sour a little bit more musty a little bit more like uh belgian style goose kind of profile versus where the even numbers we look a little bit more for fruity character from the wine barrels and so forth and just one of the reasons we do that is actually just to keep things interesting even for ourselves and it, it it's a mental game we play with the product which is kind of fun to do with because like let's say you really like blend five right and then now you're composing blend six one of one of the biggest dangers is well, I'm just gonna try and make whatever barrels I have right now come as close as I can to blend five. But that sometimes doesn't lead you to make optimal blends and the most interesting blend out of what you currently have. So sometimes just shifting the goalposts a little bit actually helps you create way more interesting and compelling products. And it's just one of the approaches that we do sometimes at times. So you're, so you're, yeah, I, I like that because you're right. You're trying to if that palette or that last taste is the, your favorite if you're always trying to go after that one then it kind of it can limit you so i yeah i think it's adventure i i, I mean obviously i'm not as uh just, i'm not as versed on the the back end type of stuff but i just um i find it i find it once you if you find a few beers from somebody you really like you're more than willing to dive in and try some other styles that i probably 
typically wouldn't wouldn't go for. So that's like I said, when you can walk away with you know cases of beer from there and they're you know world renowned, it's nice. I mean, I, I trade beer and people people love love them some OEC whenever I'm like, oh, I'm going to OEC today. Who wants some? And my inbox explodes. So it's it's kind of cool. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, as a step back on on kind of the you know the labels and the style there, I mean, there, I I think that in this day and age where you see you know with with printing and you know how things are, if I mean it, it, they're very traditional, like almost old school, like they're very old. Um, yeah, I, I, it's almost like they're printed on like a different, an older print style, you know, in the in the paper and the ink that are used. You know, can you tell us a little bit about that or your process for the labels? Uh, you mean like, it, it, well, it's it, just talking about the print stocker. So I just kind of wanted kind of a, a simple kind of paper that it, but I wanted it to have a little bit of texture. You know how, like, sometimes when you look at like nice, nice old, like, I don't know if, you, if you're looking at like champagne bottles or so, and the paper just has that little bit of texture. That's a little bit more unique. You know, it's not just like one of those modern glossy stocks. I, I really just kind of wanted to stay away from that. I mean, in, in terms of what we do as a brewery, I think it's not very technologically focused. I mean, in terms of modern brewing style, we're really doing, we're really using very old techniques, historic techniques. And I, I think the labels and kind of what we do should reflect that. So if you, if you look at like the label of Tempest with, with the old kind of uh, drawing of, of the grains of paradise spice, that it's one of the spices that we use, the, the plant drawings. It's... I, I always try and make the feel of every product a bit different. So if you look at, for example, all any given amount of bottles that we have at a time for sale, it feels like every product has its own character. I like that. I don't want to be like, I don't want you to think that when you come to our brewery and you look at our shelf, it looks like Target where, you know, one line of, of products from the producer, they all look exactly the same. I want them to look different. I want them to have their own feel. And so Tempest with that, with that drawing, it, you know, it's a, it's a really historic kind of take on on a saison. Back when they're still blending saisons with old lambic barrels that they had, I wanted it to have a little bit of farmhouse feel, a little bit of like this, uh, you know, natural character of of what it is. It's just a very it's a rustic historic beer and that we made an interpretation of, and I, I really wanted to get that feeling across. Some of the other things, labels, where I get my design inspiration from, too, is when I was growing up, I used to love playing with Legos. And, like, knights were always my favorite, right? And so, like, even if you look at our main logo, it looks a little bit like a, a, an Illuminati logo. You look at, like, the symbolism that's, like, in the old, like, knight, like the old medieval time scriptures and so forth. So I get a lot of inspiration from that kind of stuff. Yeah, before you were mentioning uh, Monty Python, so yeah, I definitely see that's a a re recurring theme there for you. Yeah, yeah, the Holy Grail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, some people come to us and think we're super serious, but you know, we 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 also have a little bit of humor with what we do, and we really enjoy what we do. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> yeah, I would not have guessed that, man. Like you're right. I think yeah, yeah. I was like, cause I was like, oh man, I talked to Ben, and like he's like. Cause you being the brewer made me like I'm like oh man I'm not gonna be able I'm gonna have to like bullshit some of this because I'm not as I know what I like but I don't necessarily always know why I like it and so yeah I'm already like oh thank God because you're right yeah I think that's <laughs> a, a, a a bad misconception you know I think that uh, mm. yeah to know that especially the fact you're just, you're referencing your the OEC in, in line with the Illuminati yeah I think I think you're good to go there yeah. but yeah <laughs> but yeah I, I, and I think that's a great point when you look at the bottles they are all. I mean, they had that similar style of the the main, you know, label and then the, the neck or kind of the higher up piece of it, too. With all And, and they're really nice, too, because they have a lot of information, you know, on there. But it's not like it's not a glowing advertisement, right, to go back to your, your, your target one. So, yeah, I I definitely think they're all unique and they're pretty, you know, they're good use of, the, of colors. You know, when you're choosing to make them, you know, bright, they're really vibrant. And so... I think it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Even even the new one. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. The one was like the 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 pro the probation the double secret probation one, right? So I mean, there you go. Like that. If you don't know, oh, yeah, if you don't know that as a joke, right? If you don't know that as a joke, like you know, that's right. You know, so <laughs> then yeah, then so you're in the wrong place. But I think even just that bottle, like you don't have a lot of those ones that are like the the clear bottle that are like 
you know, it's the you, the, the singulars. It's like glow, and that bottle's like glowing. So it's really it's really cool. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, that's my dog. And we are back. You're listening to the 16 ounce canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. Ben Nightart, OEC brewer, owner, designer, just all around good guy. Really enjoyed speaking with Ben. I love learning about the inside jokes. I think that it puts things in you know, in perspective. I learned you know, learned a little bit more about beer and, and brewing than uh, previous, which I think is great. Uh, it was definitely understandable, but I still have a still have a ways to go for that. And just the uh, the interesting story, you know, of, uh, we've you know all had shitty jobs, and you might be in the shitty job right now. You might look forward to our podcast every Friday and listen to it at your shitty job. And if that's true, that's great. We were we are, you know, we pair well with fine cheese, with video games, you know, long road trips, getting stoned, you know, shitty jobs, and the list goes uh, on and on. So, you know. If you're a shitty job, you've got another about 35, 40 minutes of uh, pretending you're actually doing something while you're listening to those headphones, and we will be here with you. But like I said, you know, job you didn't like, then dove, you know, kind of headfirst right into, you know, learning the family business and, you know, really just kind of learning from soup to nuts all about beer, what he liked, and then they made the the choice to make it a, you know, a sour beer facility and, you know, haven't looked back since and the recognition and appreciation uh, not just for myself but just you know all over you know all over the beer industry and you know has been uh has been well received and with many accolades and that's just kind of in a way minimizing you know all the all that and all the hard work that goes into it but it is an experience you know going to OEC and they're really you know they're really good about it they're really friendly they're always you know super busy um you go in there and kind of an off day or off hour set, and you know it's it's chill. But what I I did notice, and it's just kind of a nod, you know, I realized you know when setting this up that you know I had met or you know been there when Ben was there, and you know him and Tony and the crew, you know, not only are brewing, but you know they're they're pouring the beers for you, they're answering questions, and they're they're super friendly. But I was there recently, and there was an older couple who just, you know, you see there's a brewery, and a lot of folks do that now, just kind of go to a town, and you see that they have a brewery, and you just kind of want to check it out. But, you know, even myself, you know, diving into the sours, you know, is is an experience. You know, and you, there's some you like and some you don't, and you find out, and, you know, you, you build your, your palate, and, you know, kind of it evolves over time. But it was really nice just to see them explain everything. You know, they explained, you know, the backstory of, even the business, and uh, it was just really, uh, it was really nice, you know, to see people when they don't realize that they're, you know, being watched and, you know, who they really are. I think it was a, it was a nice moment, and it was nice to kind of just kind of reaffirm that, uh, you know, in, in talking to Ben, you know, especially, you know, we, we connected, you know, he's a, recently, a, you know, a father, you know, part of a, you know, dad life, and, uh, you know, managing a business, um, and just kind of the, the the entire experience. So it was a real pleasure to speak to him. You know, we, you just listened to uh, part one of our interview, uh, Ben from OEC. Remember to check them out, oecbrewing.com on Instagram. And uh, if you see anything you'd like, you know, when you're checking out different beers and, and breweries around the country or around the world, wherever you're checking in from, make sure to use the hashtag 16OZCanvas, and we will uh, we'll find you. And we've gotten some cool recommendations already for different artists, and we're, we're reaching out to them each week and trying to expand our portfolio. So it is a, it is a never-ending moving and shaking, and we're just having a good time. And as long as you are too, we will keep doing it. If you haven't had a chance to head on over to iTunes, you know, leave us a review, ratings. It does help. gets the word out there, increases something with you know SEO or search engine optimization or where we fall in the, the ranks. And... Uh, we, we appreciate it. That's really the most important thing. We thank you and you and you. So without further ado, we're going to get right back into it. Here is part two, Ben Neidhart, 16-ounce canvas, episode number 43, Cuarenta y Trace. 
Um, but like I, like I was saying, you know, the, I, I do. I, it's nice to, to notice that, you know, that little attention to detail that they're all they're kind of like cousins, like they're all similar, but no, you know, they're not the same. And they use those, you know, very classic, you know, fonts, you know, very elegant fonts, which which I really like. Um, and yeah, and I know. And then most recently, um, not that you know, this is not news to anybody, but you did release your kind of your first set of cans. What was the what was the thinking about behind that with uh, the Blanche? Oh yeah, so so we so we debated doing it for a long time. Um, one of the things was when we first brewed uh, the Billy Blanche was that it, it it was really take of a of like a Belgian white ale around the early 1900s. So it would have gone a little bit sour. You would have had some lactic acid. It was refreshing. It was citrusy, but it was meant to be really had young. And so one of the things was it's really a beer that you should just take home and drink. It's not, you know, it's not as, as crazy as something like Tempest where you want to be able to age it, vintage it, and really sit down and enjoy it. It's something that you can actually just drink while you're, you're, you're barbecuing. It does have a little bit of wild yeast character to it. It's, it's honestly my favorite session beer at the moment. I just find it super enjoyable, drinkable. It's very dry. As has a nice level of spicing. And so we were thinking about it initially. I just had it in kegs and I was selling it in growlers, but I don't think, you know, just growlers is an optimal format for take home. And then I was debating doing uh, some smaller size bottles, but then eventually I was like, ah, maybe I should just do it in a, in a can for the simple fact that it, it's way easier to carry. It's way less weight. It's way easier to recycle and it's made for people to drink it right in a way anyway. And one of the things, one of the reasons, other reasons I want to do that way is because people don't tend to age cans, so this way they they wouldn't be tempted to age it. Like a subtle, yeah. So it really sets it apart yeah. from some of our other products. Yeah, subtly, yeah, telling them, yeah, to to drink that one. Yeah, and it came out at a good time too, and it's like you said, it's really, uh, it's light and enjoyable, and it was, yeah, I was really, I was really happy to to get my hands on some of those, and yeah. I, I, I've been sharing. I've been sharing those. I might. I might still have one left. I didn't mean to age it. I just found it in the back of the fridge the other day. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's like oh, it's like Christmas yeah. all over again. You're like, yeah. Oh, there it is. But yeah, I'm, yeah. So I was. I was really happy to see that. And I really like. I really like the the can design there as well. I think it's, you know, it goes with that old, you know, olden days. You know, but it's you know with the you know, the crest and it's yeah, it's really nice. It definitely looks like something like you were saying before. You'd see like on a medieval flag or something like that about to go into battle. Yep, exactly. Excellent. Now, how you know? Obviously, I think what's unique about your your stuff is because of the aging process. It's you know coming out of the label. You probably aren't as rushed as you know, save you know some other uh, breweries who are coming out with you know more uh, IPAs or you know less frequently. But what's the what's your process? I mean, like I said, you're wearing three hats. So like, what is? I mean, you're probably wearing like ten, to be honest. But what is the what is your <laughs> process for creating like the labels? You know, in, in relation to you know when the you know when the beers are going to be released you print them on you print them on site the labels or is that something you do off site how does that work yeah we print them on site yeah okay yeah so 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 we we have a, a high quality ink chip that we use uh, and we get that label stock i i i get it made for us in that sizing um and then and we we print it before the releases but uh for, for the design work, it, you know, it really comes down to to what the product kind of is and what it feels like. And then I just start coming up with some random ideas for it. And I mean, whenever I start designing, I mean, I come up with a lot of bad designs, but then eventually I think I come up with something that I, I like and then I, I go with that. Now, I have a couple different themes that I kind of play on with. It, it, like uh, the Cezans tend to have the draw, have, tend to have the the drawings of of the actual spices or ingredients that are used in them. So that's kind of what I use for those. I have I have a line where I tend to do like like shields and insignia like that, like phantasmas label like that. Um, and then, like one of the newest ones we released, the Clavis Purpura, that was really like an old alchemy drawing that I kind of used in there. So it's kind of inspiration from all over the place. And then 
kind of pick something and see what looks cool. Yeah. So there's like a there's like a subtle style sheet that you have for for some of, for them, which I which I which I definitely I definitely dig upon. Now, how are and again, excuse me if this is a silly question, but how do you come up with the names for the beers? <laughs> uh, uh, some of the names are just uh, simple translations. Um, uh, uh, some of the other names are more like silly. Like if you look at a name like Plumtastic, uh, that's just kind of making fun fun of it. And, you know, part of the reason we kind of use Latin names a little bit is because so many breweries now just send you cease and desist letters left and right for every type of name. So it's kind of hard to name a beer these days because there's just so many. <laughs> so even even while using Latin names, like I've still gotten like two or three cease and desist letters. letters. So like, for example, one of our beers was called Narcissus. And that was, that was just kind of, it's a blend of a double IPA and a spontaneously fermented like lambic style beer that we do. It's a, it's a really nice beer, but apparently the name Narcissus was taken by a brewery on the West Coast for an IPA that they don't sell anywhere outside of California. But they felt trademarked, so I had to change that name. So we just changed that name to Cease and Narcissus. It's kind of a joke on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was, yeah, I was. There, yeah, I think I was. Yeah, I was there the one day. And you, they were telling the story, and I was just kind of laughing. And so I was definitely gonna, yeah, the, to ask you about that because, right, I think that, yeah, yeah, I just stuff. I don't know. If you're only selling it one small area, I, I feel like at least you can work something out. I mean, it's definitely, I definitely hear, I definitely hear the naming thing is hard. It gets harder and harder, you know, year over year. So people, the names get a little crazier, yeah. or just have nothing to do with you know the product, and just kind of just a bunch of random words, but. I don't know. I think season season narcissist works actually. So I think it's pretty funny. So I, 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 I dig the inside jokes. <laughs> yeah. It's, it sucks. Right. But it's, it's good. It actually came out, you know, came yeah. Out. You know, it's not that big a deal. So we right, just change the name and you just kind of have some fun with it. But... Yeah. Yeah. Your phantasma is your figtasma. Yeah. So it's always, yeah. yeah. This extreme stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm way more concerned that the, that what's in the bottle is great than, you know, I'm so concerned about the name. <laughs> yeah, right. The amount of time you probably wait, you're, or the the whole process. It's like at that point, you're like, you can just start giving them letters and numbers if you had to. It wouldn't really matter. Yeah. Now, what's the typical life cycle? Again, this is a, a people are probably listening. I, I apologize if you're super beer people and I'm asking stupid questions, but you know, get your own podcast. Um, how, what's the what's the kind of typical life cycle or you know for for these beers? I mean, some of them are being aged for years i mean how 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 is that as an artist i mean you're a beer artist right a brewer i mean how is that that just seems like yeah. a it seems like a lot of stress to hope that it's going to come out you know in a year and a half time how you want it obviously you're, you're tasting it throughout the process but i'm just kind of at a high level it's uh, a lot of time and you know blood sweat and beers going to that you know those those bottles yeah i think i think it's i think there are really two main philosophies with with beer, right? And the first one is you make a recipe and you make, you make it, you perfect it to the point that it's perfect basically right after you brew it. I'm kind of on the very other side where a lot of my beers are actually a couple different recipes that are aged at the end. And then I, I combine them in various pieces and at various ages and at various ratios to make a great product. So philosophically, I'm kind of more betting on myself that a year from now I'll be able to put a great product together from all these various uh, barrel stocks that I have. So I, I I can see why you would say it's it's a stressful process, but actually since we've been doing it for a number of years now, it's just actually our natural production process. So it it, it just kind of comes naturally all of a sudden because I don't think of it as being stressed the day I brew it. I I look at it more like down, like when I go into the into the cellar to taste the barrels, then I have a little bit more stress hoping that I can piece together the best possible item at a given time. It's just when does the stress occur, you know? Right, yeah. And yeah, <laughs> the, and the, and the the confidence in yourself, right? So I mean, I think that given given what the the I guess the the dive in or the risk you took in you know, opening a brewery like this, which is pretty, there's, 
I'd say there's few and far between you know, in the country, you know, if not, you know, so I think that that in and of itself was uh, kind of doubling down yourself with all the knowledge you had already gained from, from Be United. And were you always brewing? I mean, it seems like from your, your path kind of, you know, obviously being involved in the industry, but to be in such a unique kind of plane with what the, the type, the styles that you're doing um, there just seem, you know, what, what did you, did you have someone you were, that mentored you or, you know, kind of, or you just kind of just dove, dove all in. It just seems, yeah, it seems like you go big and, uh, for the better. And brewing came last. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I first learned how, you know, how to, how to, how to package kegs. Then, then we learned how to fill bottles. Then we learned how, how to, uh, actually age beer in barrels. So I, I, I had the entire packaging side down. But uh, on top of uh, like learning, how, you know, how to package or so, there, there there's certain beers that we actually have, have to re-ferment uh, prior to packaging. So the beer comes, you know, came came to us and was unfinished. It was flat, so it still had to be dosed with yeast and sugar. So you had to naturally carbonate it. Then there were some beer some beers that needed to be dry hopped before they went out. So so gradually over time, I built my knowledge to the where the only piece that was really missing was brewing. And then at the end, you just made the the leap, and you you kind of bought a brew house, and it, and you said, well, I'm going to figure out how to brew a recipe, and get that last step. And on that last step, I mean, I, I had quite a bit of help because I, I I went and traveled around the world, and I, I I met with a number of the breweries that my family's company imports. I, I know a number of the brewmasters, so I asked them for various opinions, and and I talked to them about techniques, and so so. I had a lot of help getting to that, getting that last step completed. And, you know, whenever I did have any major questions there, I had lots of resources of people to ask. So I, I wasn't that concerned about it on that level. And on, on the other side, when, when you're trying to do a lot of these historical recipes and techniques, you're really almost back in uncharted territory because Modern brewing is very different in, in the fact that when you, when you brew the recipe, you're trying to extract as many sugars out of the grain as possible and make as, ferment, as fermentable a wort as possible. But when you're doing some of these historic techniques, you're actually trying to do the opposite. You're trying to create more starches, more dextrins, and, uh, and have less just pure fermentable sugars so that the beer matures better in the barrels, gives more e- more food for the wild yeast, for the wild bacteria to create better flavors over time. So in general, it's, you have to, you kind of had to do things differently no matter what. So just, there was a lot of, let's say trial and error involved. Yeah, I can, yeah. Well, (laughs) Ryan, I think that's a good point too with the being so historic or kind of, you know, almost ancestral or ancient old, you know, there's not as probably as much documentation or as much information I mean, it, where you, you can go talk to somebody or what their intention intentions were, you know, probably, you know, like you, pa- you know, pass down the line, play that game, you know, it's probably where, it, where it ended up is, is different over time. And it's, it's kind of nice. You're keeping on that, that legacy. And it's, it's interesting, right? The chicken, you say the chicken or the egg, and you're probably like the egg, well before there was a chicken, you know, because most folks are homebrew and they start doing it on the small scale and then then they try to figure out how to mass produce it or put it into a keg and you already, you just needed to be able to put your own stuff inside or you had every other piece, you were just kind of waiting for it to be your own beer and your own kegs and bottles. So that's, it's, it's really, uh, you're a unique one, Ben. Yeah. You know, and one of, one of the big misconceptions is that all the, all the magic is, is, is done during the brew day. Actually, you can do you can screw up a lot of perfectly good beer during the you know the prepackaging and the packaging and the cellaring process. So I think I think that's an important process to actually master. And it, I I actually am really glad that I I learned on that side first because you actually figure out a lot of the problems that people don't realize are coming from after the brew process in their finished beers. Yeah, yeah. Like when you were describing it, I was thinking oh, I never I didn't really think about that. I mean, I've, mm. I've, I would say I've, I quote unquote tried to homebrew a few times and the whole sugars and all that, you know, that, that was, a, even though it was a small snippet is a new level of appreciation for, 
for even that part of the the process and so um when i over sugared and my bottles exploded in the basement it was definitely a good life experience uh my wife did not appreciate it (laughs) my wife did not appreciate it as much but you know a few few volatile beers will teach you a couple lessons here and there so yeah yeah excellent now are there other breweries that you you work with or is there other you know do you do you guys do collaborations very often yeah, well, we do a line of of collaborations. Uh, they're called Artistas Energia. So anything under that line is really collaboration projects. But we collaborate a little bit differently than most others do. So, so I do it with, with the breweries that we work with, that I work with on an international level with United. And so we call it an international blending project. So that means that at least a portion of that of the beer has to be brewed at their facility. And they come up with a unique idea for something they want to do or we do. And they, they brew a piece for it. And then we do a piece on our end. And then we we put it together and we, we make uh, a unique product out of it that goes in that line. And, you know, it, it can it can just be a portion is brewed there, a portion is brewed by us and it's put together. Or it could be those portions are then blended and then aged in a barrel for longer or then add, you know, then we add fruit to them and so forth and we release them. So that's how we do collaborations. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think, yeah, it's interesting because I've had, I've had several of those and they're, they're really good. So that's, yeah, in the Zimator project. So yeah, like I said, that's another, right. That's another collaboration, right. uh, That you guys utilize or is that more just kind of between you and be united? Zimitory was more of a Be United project. So that was really a Be United collaboration where Be United did the barrel aging portion of the beer that's brewed, you know, from around the world. And so it would then be aged in various select barrels for anywhere from, you know, six months to 18 months. And then released kind of more on a single barrel kind of release program. Okay. And then, yeah, then also the one, the, I've noticed more recently is, you know, a lot of the, the, the fruits that are being utilized a lot, you know, there's some of them are grown right on, you know, right there at the, at the brewery or on, you know, on the campus, so to speak. So I I think that it's another just nice, you know, nice, uh, you know, piece, piece of the process that it's really kind of full circle, you know, uh, you know, there's a lot going on when you, when you see the space and you, you pull into the, you know, the tap room, it's really, it's small and intimate, but there's just a lot of stuff, you know, in the offices and behind the scenes that are going on there. So it's really nice to kind of, to, to see that come full circle. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We, we grow a lot of, we grow a lot of fruits. All all the fruits that we grow always go into our experimentalist line of beers. But, uh, we, we, we do a lot of raspberries. Uh, we do some currants. We, we do a lot of wine grapes that we have growing down the hill, but we also have a greenhouse in the back that actually does uh, really well with uh, citrus fruits. It's kind of in an alcove behind the uh, warehouse. You can't see it from the front. And so it doesn't get hit by the wind at all. And so it's easy to heat and it, it's really south facing. So it, it gets, it, it gets a lot of sunlight and, uh, we get a lot of really interesting citrus fruits out of there. We get, we get a mayor lemons, bouquet de flor, which is like a small, like a sour orange. Uh, we're actually growing some Buddha's hand this year. So we, we have a lot of cool things going on. Yeah. The experimentalists are, it's never like with grapes or like apples. It's like all these like very unique, yeah. you know, uh, fruits. I mean, obviously rat, I, everyone loves a good raspberry, but you know, it definitely has been interesting, uh, you know, with the Myers lemons and just, there's always unique, unique fruits that are always, like I said, read those bottles. Um, it's really interesting. and There's a lot of good information on them, but that's, I love, yeah, I love the fact that they're, they're grown on site and that's, yeah, I'll be a little, I'll try to be a little nosier next time and uh, see if I can see the uh, greenhouse. Uh, you actually, you have to walk around the whole building to actually get there. All right. So I might get arrested. So yeah, just, just, I'll, I'll say, yeah. with, I'll say with Ben next time. I'm just going to play that. I'll play that, that card once. All right. <laughs> yeah yeah um so one one other piece this is one of our kind of our easier questions and there's really there's always a good playlist going there when when we're there music wise but i mean when you're when you're brewing or you know you're designing do you have certain you know tunes you're listening to is there music that's always kind of that keeps popping up that you that you go to or just kind of see where see where it takes you uh 
I don't I don't know I I used to I used to play more music but now that you know that I I've I've an 18 month at home too at home too so there's <laughs> there's a little bit more screaming involved these days so a little bit less uh, music playing uh, but I um, I I always I always kind of joke that I don't think I have the best taste in music so I just play like a bunch of random stuff it depends on whatever I feel like uh what do I like these days? I've been kind of listening to Foster the People these days. And, and uh, Tony always has a bunch of metal on the playlist, so every once in a while I listen to that. Sometimes on the packet, on the bottling line, I, I kind of listen to some, like, you know, those nice 80s power ballads, so I'm kind of all over the place. I, I, also, I also really like electronic music. I, I'm, I'm not too picky. I just... I, I really, these days, now that I've gotten older, I tend to like more, more like upbeat, like positive music, like just in terms of beats and vocals. But besides that, I'm fairly open. I'm, I'm really not that picky. <laughs> I mean, in the gym, I like to like listen to cor- like old school rock, kind of like corn and that kind of stuff, like I used to. Okay. But when I design, I like to listen more to like, I, I suppose more electronic and like with female vocals is kind of what I prefer. But yeah, yeah, I know. I definitely, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, we we put some of the uh, underbeds with the with the music that you like. So I definitely, yeah, I definitely noticed uh, not just you, you know, you and Tony, but just in general, metal for some reason it's like uh, I've met so many folks in this in the craft beer space who love like like not like light like super heavy <laughs> intense metal. So. That seems to be one yeah. of the, the underlying things that kind of that it's like that in comic books and you know some other stuff. But yeah, they definitely uh, heavy metal is a recurring theme. I think. Like I said, I, I like I like it better in the gym when I don't need to worry about what they're saying. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, exactly. When I'm ready to go. When I'm ready to go, you know, run. It's like okay, just the gets me going. But yeah, if I'm trying to get what's if I'm trying to, I can't. Yeah, I won't be able to pick two two of them apart. But. That's probably uh, <laughs> if you're a hardcore metal fan, we apologize. But um, so um, any what, what's what you know what any any sneak previews? What's uh, what's coming down the line? What, what can folks you know expect? Oh yeah, uh, we've Plumtastic coming back at the end of this month in January. Uh, th- there'll be at least one or two other products with that, and then uh, in Fe- in February we always have a big release towards the end of February for Oodalus. And actually, it's, it's always a three-part release, and the three this year will be all new. So two fruited ones and one regular one, but I think they're, they're really interesting and three different takes on it this year. So I, I think there, there's lots to be excited about. Excellent. Yeah, and you all, I mean, like I said, if, if you haven't visited, you know, please please stop over there. And if you go to one of their events, they're, yeah, one of my favorites is, uh, is Festivus. So, I mean, I think, again... And the more the more you and I have talked, the more I realize all these little subtle subtle jokes that I maybe have just kind of gone over my head. But yeah, it's a it's a, it's a very serious beer project that you know is, is having fun with fun with it. So I, I I do appreciate that. Oh yeah, speaking about Festivus, right? That was this year when it was snowed out. Uh, so we're actually moved. We're, since since it kind of got cut in half, Festivus, we're actually going to have it a kind of Festivus Redux on that Plumtastic release towards the end of January. So we'll bring out some of those barrels and special things that we have for tasting usually then. Nice. Just because it got snowed out this year. Nice. Bring out the poll and airing of grievances and everybody will be good to go. That's right. Feats of strength, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, and yeah to- strength. You, you and Tony, <laughs> you and Tony will just get like a, we'll get a ring going around you guys and you just get at it. Sorry. To- <laughs> well, I thank Ben. Like I said thank you so much for for making the time. I, I do appreciate it. I'll make sure next time I'm, uh, I visit to just to say hello and thank you. Um, it's really nice to have such a special place, you know, nearby, and you, you know, it's just uh, getting a lot of the recognition that you deserve. And so it was just nice to kind of speak to you and you know learn a little bit more. And I definitely think my my beer knowledge has stepped up just just from our, our our conversation today. So I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right. All right. Sounds good. Uh, yeah. And happy new year. All right. Happy new year to you. Like I said, uh, I'll be, mm-hmm. I uh, foolishly decided to do dryuary. So today's day 
four. So if I don't know, if oh, I'm gonna, okay. I don't know if I'm going to make it through the whole month. But if I if I if I don't, I'll be uh, I'll be more than happy to to get up there and talk to you. All right, sounds good. All right, later. Okay, bye bye. And there we have it, folks. Ben Neidhart, OEC Brewing, 16-ounce canvas. Our first episode of 2018 is in the books, and we couldn't be more excited. Yeah, get at ya. want to thank Ben once again. It was really enjoyable to speak with Ben because I will admit that I was a little nervous going into the interview, and I say that because... The sour community and just some of the other beers that aren't as approachable, it's a really kind of uh, avid fan base, and I don't mean that in an insulting way. It's just there's a lot of other things. You know, it's kind of like um, the next level of, of your beer game is when you try to get into the you know the sour space and really understand it. And as I said numerous times, you know, doing the interview, just OECs on a they're on a whole other level and they're really just doing some unique things and really getting the recognition that they deserve, not only locally, but, you know, around the country. And so I was just, um, yeah, I was definitely curious to see how I was going to go. Ben was super easy to talk to. You know, I, I definitely, you know, he even was cognizant how people take them super serious and they have all these, you know, inside jokes and different names for beers and, you know, even, you know, even Festivus and, you know, Cease and Narcissist, you know, I just really, uh, I was really happy to to be able to get to get to talk to him. So definitely going to, we'll keep you guys updated when we go uh, meet in person and head on over to, you know, the brewery and catch up after Dryuary, which is uh, one of my annual terrible ideas, but we are uh, day, day 12 and things are going well, still uh, being uh, heckled and taunted by friends and, uh, not so much the family. Yeah, it was most recently at a at a birthday party for a friend of mine for his fortieth, and our other uh, our other buddy went over to had gone over to twelve percent. They recently did a uh, release an Aslan uh, Stillwater collab, and uh, a decadent ales beer, and they both looked great. Thankfully, he was uh, kind enough to to hook me up. So those are on uh, on cue, you know for. Uh, 19 days and counting uh who's counting uh this guy but uh yeah so that was that was that but um yeah so things are going well we're having a great time we like i said we announced our our fifth you know season our fifth 12 pack things are moving right along you know great day today you know the uh the winter freeze hopefully is uh thawing out a little bit wherever you are here in new england it has been ridiculously cold but you know so it goes uh climate change is real climate and weather are different but regardless you are still listening to the 16 ounce canvas the art of craft beer podcast 16ozcanvas.com you can check us out via the world wide web you can check us out on instagram 16ozcanvas on twitter on Facebook, get in touch. Let us know what's new. Let us know who we should be checking out. We're already working on finalizing the sixth 12 pack. That's right. We've got a good, probably got about a six pack. So probably about halfway through that. And so it's exciting. And uh, also, we are happy to announce that we will be uh, heading up to Portland, Maine at the end of the month. It's a great way to uh, end the the drought. But we're going to be heading up there. Uh, we're going to be visiting. Um, and checking out the the awesome art show that uh, Will Sears is putting on. Uh, his episode will be in, uh, I believe, three three weeks. Yeah, he'll be uh, the first episode of February in conjunction with the art show. Uh, you know, Will is the art director over at uh, Oxbow, and so um, the show is going to be really something really cool. It's featuring um, him as well as uh, Michael Van Hall, who we've uh, spoken to numerous times. Well, not numerous times. He had one episode, but we, you know, we've been in touch, you know, since. Uh, he is the artist that we've, you know, featured here for uh, Aslan, as well as Stillwater. You'll have uh, Carl Grand from Omni Polio, Keith Shore from McKellar, who we hope to have on a future episode, and then uh, will who will be featured in about three weeks. So that's called Artistic Directions, and you can find out more information about that on uh, Oxbow's website. 
and uh, follow along with Will online. So really excited. Got a lot of great stuff happening. I want to thank you know Ben once again for for taking the time. It was in between uh, you know, shoveling and dealing with uh, the blizzard that we had most recently. So it was just really a great opportunity. It was really easy to talk to. I learned a lot about beer. I really enjoyed you know his story. You know, kind of learning the business and then getting into the kind of the, you know, the final final phase and becoming a you know becoming a brewer. So I think it was just really smart. It's really exciting. And uh, it's one of our, you know, in the beer community here in Connecticut, it's one of our, our sources of pride. So thanks, everybody. You know, thank again to OEC, OECbrewing.com, 16ouncecanvas.com. Until next week, we're starting the new year off with a bang. So 2018, we're coming for you. It's going to be a good one. So until next week, cheers, everybody.